Well, this is RNZ National, and on a Friday afternoon, just after the headlines, we welcome in Nicola Tuki. Uh, she is the CEO of Forest and Bird. She is also a published author as of today. Nicola, well done. Hello. Ahiahi marie, and thank you. Pretty exciting. Now, you actually, I think, have done a thesis before, so you were already a published author, but maybe this will sell more copies. Maybe. <laughs> I think you might be right. Is there much demand uh, yeah. for your thesis on penguins? I like to kind of get it out every now and then and, and <laughs> flick through it, but apart from that, not really. Yeah, my, my wife's got her master's thesis in the bookcase, so I must say uh, it's not often called upon, but uh, nice to have it there to know that you've done it. I think so. I think if, when, for all the work that you put into yeah. something like that, you you want a tangible outcome. Totally. It's a bit like yeah. having a baby. So. <laughs> well, you've done that as well, so you're ticking them off. Um, tell me about <laughs> Tell me about the latest delivery. Uh, the latest delivery. Well, we is, have actually talked um, about it already. So, um, but tell me about your part in it. Was it hard work? Um, this is the credit of the week book. Um, putting it yes. all together. Uh, it, in some ways, so you know, obviously, it's based on um, it, you know our conversations mm. um, over the last lemon nearly decade or well, what are we eight nine years? Yeah. Um, and so it was a process of selecting fifty critters that um, that I thought would be. Uh, fascinating for people and <laughs> it's quite funny so then going through and ensuring that all of the things I said in the, on the radio were in fact true facts <laughs> what was uh, that experience like you, you're pretty good uh, you you always you always put a sort of disclaimer if you're not quite sure on something ah uh, well I, I, I will admit that there was definitely one maybe two moments when I was um you know kind of going through the proofing process where I went I said what now <laughs> <laughs> yeah Sorry, New Zealand. Um, and obviously having the privilege of, of working with Lily, um, who, of course, helps us with Critter anyway, because she's this amazing researcher, but um, her secret superpower, well, not so secret superpower, she's just such a beautiful artist. Yeah. Um, so it was. A, it's just – it's a book that has been an absolute pleasure um, to to write and, and to work with both um, a publisher, so Penguin Random House and Lily on, um, and I'm so proud of it and I'm so excited about it because apart from the fact that um, that I wrote it, uh, I, I love it. It's a lovely book. Um, and obviously, you know, I got um, the privilege of me mate Jessie to to write the forward for it. So that was, always, that was a nice bonus. <laughs> I actually forgot about that. Yes, I was delighted to, delighted to endorse this beautiful piece of work. Did you see any of the critters in the book when you were in Tauranga this week? Oh, yeah, that's a really good question. I'm trying. No, I don't. I don't think so. But I did see. So I was in Tauranga um, on Wednesday and yesterday, um, and I went there for, to give a couple of talks. Um, but I was able to get out and about with some of my forest and bird um, branch members from Tauranga branch and got to see um, their doctoral project on oh, Papamoa Beach. Yeah which is very sweet. They're fiercely defending doctorals and they had a beautiful sign. It was like a forest and bird and docks sign about, you know, watch out for the doctorals. And I eventually, after a while, I said to Carol and Richard, how many doctorals are we protecting here? And they said, just one pair. And I went, <laughs> what? Oh. Uh, so 
Last year, a pair of dotterels nested in the dunes on the very busy Papamoa beach and um, the volunteers fought tooth and nail to protect um, that nest. And the nest did, um, they did, they did lay three eggs, but unfortunately they, they didn't make it through. The nest got trashed by something. Um, and that was pretty cool. And, I, and then I visited a couple of the reserves that the forest and bird people look after, including, for those of you who live in Tauranga, um, the beautiful Ianson Reserve, which was which thirty five years ago they showed me the photos, was bare grass. Yeah. And now has these towering kahikatea trees oh, and king ferns gosh. and and it's just just such a great and long narrow reserve right in the middle of Tauranga and just such a cool example of um, how how passionate individuals can so quickly turn uh, an environment around and it was absolutely Work lovely to be there. Then I gave a talk um, to the Tauranga branch and some and members of the public, which was great. Um, they were a really cool crowd. And then yesterday I, I was opening the Tauranga Moana Biosecurity Capital Symposium, um, which is a fascinating kind of event where um, industry, academics, members of local and central government all get together to work on really wicked biosecurity problems um, in terms of invasive species. So that was right up. That was right in my lane. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been a it's been a cool week. Work out, yeah. That's I mean, I know that your job gets bogged down in meetings and politics mm-hmm. and stuff, but you must I guess take a moment, take a breath and think, how cool is this that I'm getting flying around the country to get a, a front row seat for some of these projects? Yeah, absolutely. It, it is a real privilege. And just um you know, as you say, politics and and risking make me a bit grumpy. And then you know, getting out and about with people that for, for you know for nothing, um, are putting everything back into yeah. the nature is is a bit of a blessing. Awesome. Well, um, I've got to say, of all the critters that we've ever featured, this is without <laughs> knowing anything about this one, it's already one of my favourites. I knew you'd love this. Yeah. So this week we are talking about the icing sugar fungus, um, Bovaria bassiana, um, and but it is also known as one of those um, one of those organisms that has had challenging kind of um, time with nomenclature. So it's also known as Cordyceps bassiana. The Cordyceps genus caught my eye because um, for those of you fungus nerds out there, um, mycology nerds, you'll know that here in New Zealand we have the vegetable caterpillar, which is a, um, yeah. a, a Cordyceps, which I'm sure we've talked about in Critter. We have, we have. Um, vegetable caterpillars were um, so famous uh, over 100 years ago, in the Bay of Plenty actually, so where I was, um, that passengers on the trains through the Mamaku um, bush could buy uh, a, su- a souvenir of a vegetable caterpillar for 10 shillings from um, keen locals who would dig <laughs> them up and flog yeah. them off to the passengers on the train. <laughs> so... <laughs> So that's your little history fact for the day. But so back to the icing sugar fungus, um, quite fascinating. So it's a, it's one of those great names that says it all. So it gets its name because of the the victims of it look like they've been sprinkled with icing sugar, and victims yeah. should give you a clue. So this is a um, a parasitic fungus that basically um, is living its best life by uh, taking other insects, taking insects' lives uh, in a really disgusting way. So if you are into zombies, and I can assure you I am not, um, <laughs> this is the the natural world's version of a zombie. In fact, a show that I will never watch uh, is <laughs> The Last of Us. Um, <laughs> oh, why not? You'd love oh, it. Come on. It is actually, it have- it's a great, I mean, there are, 
people getting eaten by zombies, but it's a lovely story. Uh, does it have rainbows and unicorns in it? Mm, well, there is a horse that uh, looks a lot less like a horse and probably more like a unicorn by the time someone's finished with it. Um, <laughs> no, it's yeah. a hard no from me. However, I am, I've am i read enough of Pracy of, um, yeah. uh, of The Last of Us to know you get the um, gist. about it. <laughs> but that is, that, that is like taking the natural world and then amplifying it to tell a, an amazing story because it actually is based on what cordyceps fungus around the world do uh, in terms of um, their ability mm. to not just affect the physical nature of their victims, but actually mess with their minds as well. So um, some cordyceps fungus can actually control the behaviour of things like ants and make them uh, act in a particular way, which ensures that the fungus can continue its good life. But I will stick to the icing sugar fungus. So it is an entomopathogen, and I'll start that again, entomopathogenic fungus uh, growing naturally in soils all over the world. And so um, if you know when you've seen an insect that's been infected by it because it causes this kind of white, uh, crusty, it's called muscadine disease that kind of um, covers this, the bugs in this icing sugary type layer. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, Essentially, um, it's very focused on insects, right? So um, we're very clear that um, mammals tend not to be affected. However, at least one case of a human infection by the icing sugar fungus has been reported in a person who had a suppressed immune system. So jury's not entirely out. So sleep well, that. everyone. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy your weekends. Um, so what happens is that when the tiny spores of this fungi come into contact with the, the body of, a, of an insect, um, they germinate and then they bust through the, the um, cuticle or the, the shell, the skin of the insect, if you like. And once they've broken through that, they start growing inside the host, which is not better living, obviously, for the host and that, that will kill the host. <laughs> And then once the host has died, the, the sort of fruiting body, if you like, the white mould emerges from it and produces new spores to spread to other organisms. Oh, and so God. the circle of life continues. Yeah. Um, and so the, the the way that we, you know, the, I guess the way that the insect finds out that it's been infected is um, it basically starts erupting out of the host's joints and... Um, <laughs> Uh, that's probably it's one of your not more gruesome day. one of your more gruesome critters, Nicola. Although I will say, if people take a look at the photo, rnz.co.nz/jesse, there is a strange beauty to it. Looks like a cicada caught in the snow. Yes, and um, the image of the ant that's sort of hanging almost in a hammock uh, <laughs> is pretty compelling as well. Now, I mean, you know, nature as a way of fighting back. So, in fact, this um, fungus can get gets a taste of its own medicine uh, because there is a, a mycoparasitic fungus that attacks this fungus called Cyspospora parasitica. That's unfair. I had a lisp as a kid. That's an impossible <laughs> word. Um, and so... <laughs> Uh, that the mycoparasitic fungus uh, attacks the icing sugar fungus and latches onto the mycelium of the host with its specially designed cells, which basically then bursts dark brown long-necked mushrooms from the icing sugar fungus. So, Man, you know, she's a real war zone out there, isn't she? 
Yeah, it is. But I mean, parasite like these, parasites like these are crucial for the functioning of our ecosystems, right? So you, it's obviously a bit gross and makes people squeamish, and um, you know, not not necessarily as nice as I don't know a panda. Um, <laughs> however, um, they they are essentially um, biological control agents, right? So if you have a particular species of insect getting out of hand. Um, you know, I don't know, locusts, whatever, um, the fungus it, it can actually keep the insect population at a more manageable level uh-huh. for that particular ecosystem. And and the more numerous the species becomes, the more likely it will fall prey uh, to a variety of cordyceps fungi such as this one. I mean, given that we know that it has infected at least one human and given that we know that we've blown the planetary boundaries, particularly for biodiversity, uh, also water quality and obviously climate change is probably something that we might want to keep a little eye on. Yeah, that's a, um, that's a key plot point of um, of The Last of Us, that, that was climate change, things warming up that uh, allowed the uh, cordyceps to leap to human hosts. I mean, and you thought we were just uh, going to be a bit hot at the beach. Yeah, I, I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because I think some people, I did actually hear someone recently that I knew saying to me, oh, you know, it'll be fine because humans thrive in the warmth. I I feel like there's going to be more than warmth, (laughs) apart from catastrophic storms. You know, it's not so far-fetched to think that, um, you know, the the, the changing climate might impact the way that uh, things like the uh, ice and sugar fungus have behaved for many, many years. So maybe, maybe, says she, who's having a heck of a time getting the, the politicians of the major parties to listen about climate change, maybe the thought of uh, a zombie apocalypse via the fungus, ch- the ice and sugar fungus changing might be the thing that tips them over the edge. Yeah, this is the moment. Um, can I ask you to rate the ice and sugar fungus's physical attractiveness on a scale of 1 to 10 as per Critter of the Week tradition? Yes, yeah, um, and I'm with you. There is something quite um, starkly compelling, uh, somewhat horrifying about uh, the icing sugar fungus. Um, but given my my abject terror of anything to do with zombies, it's going to have to be a three. <laughs> have a safe weekend, Nicola. <laughs> Sleep well, Jesse. <laughs> Nicola took a crit of the week. Uh, you can see the fungus for yourself, rnz.co.nz slash jesse. Uh, have a great weekend. Have a great week. Here's Wallace Chapman in the panel.